Talk 1110-993 WBT. Third hour of the program. The Pete Callender Show. 704-570-1110 or 1-800-WBT-1110. Um, I guess I should... I, let me just state this at the beginning here before I get to the email. Um, I call these the program director emails. So uh, just as a heads up, if you don't like a topic... Uh, that I uh, am discussing, you're free not to like the topic that I've brought up. You're totally free not to like it. When you send me, I'm going to read you this email. Uh, When you send me these kinds of emails, though, it makes me not want you to ever listen to the show again. I don't, I like, now I don't care. So first off, like, I choose topics. I have a whole bunch of them, and we go with them. And what's funny is, like, the topic that this person is criticizing me over covering is uh, was the one that I thought probably was the most fun, which was the the women of the view. I pulled four sound bites, and what was that actually about? It wasn't even just the view, right? What was the what was the comment? Uh, what was the commentary about? What was the topic about? Do you remember in the first hour? And I apologize if you're listening on the podcast. Uh, you got to go back to the first hour where we talked to Brad Slager about the ta- uh, the Turning Points USA conference, where these quote Nazis showed up out front. And- and then we had the view, audio clips. We had four clips, total runtime, two minutes, four different clips. One was 30 seconds, one was another 30, one was like a minute, and the other was a minute. And we played those of them like seizing on the, um, the, uh, the Nazi narrative. What was that topic about? Was it about the view? Or was it about the use of these... Nazis in order to paint people as Nazi sympathizers. And I thought I made that pretty clear. But um, the program director email that I got here from William, who there's like, if you threaten to never listen to the show again, first off, it's almost a guarantee that's a lie, first of all. Second of all, that's not a good way to get me to do what you want. I'm a bit of a contrarian. I don't know if you've realized this. I've been here a year, but before that I was here for like over a decade. But I'm a bit of a contrarian. And if you tell me that you don't like me talking about something and you're going to try to basically extort me into doing some content that you prefer to listen to, first off, you're not the program director. You're not the host of the show. And as the, uh, I forget, there's an old baseball manager who said, if you listen to the fans long enough, you'll be sitting with them, <laughs> right? Uh, and there's some truth to that. So here's what William sent me. He felt the need to put this down in an email. This is like the people who are like, I'm quitting Facebook, and they give you this really long post, and then like, you know, seven or eight hours later, they're back on Facebook. Anyway, William says, the second most, to- oh, sorry, the uh, subject line, here it is, the subject line which I don't understand. Why do people write in the subject line these massive walls of text? You know we only get like, I don't know, nine or ten of those words. Did you know that? It tells me I'm dealing with somebody who's not adept at email, which it's only been around for like 20 years, so that tells me something else. Anyway, um, William says, uh, in the subject line, Pete, I can't disagree. that." So he starts writing the email like in the subject line. Or no. Oh, that's the preview. 
Okay, so the all right, so good. So the good. So the subject is the view, and the the email starts off. Pete, I can't disagree that the view is the dumbest show. I can't disagree because I don't watch TV at all. Ah, oh, ah, oh, the brightness. Oh, my eyes, the brightness of the virtue signaling. Oh, I can't see. William is better than all of us. He doesn't watch television. Just a heads up. The whole thing is dumb. All TV is dumb. This whole place is out of order. The second most dumbest thing, which I don't know. I, I think I disagree with that, too. The second most dumbest thing is turning my show into uh, show, uh, turning your show into displaying the view by playing the audio and ragging on a bunch of idiots. So which is dumber? The view ragging on supposed Nazis or you ragging on the idiots who are ragging on the supposed Nazis. I honestly don't know, but I am switching stations. Bye-bye. So to answer your question, William, who I know is not listening anymore, the view is dumber. That's an obvious answer to your question. The view is dumber. Yes, absolutely. See, because people who are engaged in the political scene and are interested to know why is the you know, why is the view talking about Nazis at some Ron DeSantis event? Because that's what happens. They will see those audio clips, and people tune in here to get the fuller context of the story. Now, I try to be entertaining as I am informative as well. Uh, sometimes I don't hit both. I try to be one of the two. <laughs> but uh, your advice is noted, William. And I'm going to go ahead and file this email where I file all of the others into the trash can. Um, so, yes, when I get those types of emails, uh, I, and this, um, so I'm using this as a, as a teachable moment. Like, I, my first indication is, you know what, just don't listen to my show. If you, seriously, and I guess, and like, I understand part of this comes from uh, actually a, a connection. This comes from a, uh, familiarity it comes from a connection where people feel like inve- they feel invested in the show and they they like hanging out with me and I appreciate that uh, but they're going to try to dictate to me what I what I cover and they try to essentially shame me out of having fun with the women from the view in the context of the larger issue at play so Again, I don't respond well. So I'm just, I'm just letting folks know. If you're going to act as my program director, I only have one of those. His name is Mike. You should send him those messages. If you really want to try to get me never to talk about a topic again or you're never going to listen again you want to do that, then you need to send him the email. I'm sure he's going to be happy that I'm doing that. <laughs> I'm not, I'll give out his phone number. Um, no, seriously, I, I, that, that's, that's just how I engage and I'm going to do topics that I think are important. Like, for example... Uh, a friend of mine, shout out to John. He came into town the other day and he was like, I don't really listen to a lot of the local stuff, uh, but I listen for the national stuff. I appreciate that. But I also am not going to, I cannot cater my show based on what one person says in an email. And so John's going to tune out now because I'm about to get into the Charlotte City elections. But see, I walked it right up to the traffic report, John. So this way you can tune out now if you're listening on the podcast. You could stop listening now and you got the you got one whole segment out of that third hour because I'm a giver. Alrighty, today is the election for the Charlotte City Council. If you haven't voted and you're inside city limits, go on out and vote. If you like the way the city is running and being run, then uh, yeah, stay at home. You're totally fine. 
if everything's going smooth as silk, a-okay, you just stay at home and that's, uh, that's an abstention. It's a satisfaction vote. Now, if you are, if you're not satisfied with the way Charlotte is going, then you can go to the ballot box and make your opinion known. Okay, yes, there is a third option that you can go vote for the status quo too, if you want to. I mean, I don't know why you would want to. It's, I mean, you got elections. The polls are open until seven thirty. You got the Charlotte mayor. By the way, like I do not get to vote in this because I moved just outside of the Charlotte city limits. So I'm still in Mecklenburg County. I'm on like the 12 square feet that they didn't annex uh, over like their 30 year run, whatever. Uh, and I, I didn't even realize it when we went and found the place. Uh, so Charlotte mayor, city council at large, district races. The election is usually in the fall. Um, Joe Bruno's uh, report at WSOCTV.com says it was delayed until today because of late results from the U.S. Census. So um, you got district races and those Districts are pretty well drawn to ensure uh, certain outcomes. Uh, but in the, at, in the at-large race, you've got a slate of four Democrats, a slate of four Republicans running, and um, the top four votainers, eh, eh, the top four votainers, they win the seats. So you can get a mix in there. But right now, it's all Democrat. All four of those seats are held by Democrats. And they've been holding all four of the seats for quite a few years. Um, you've got incumbent Dimple Ajmira, Braxton Winston, also an incumbent, James Mitchell, former incumbent, and Lawana Slack Mayfield, former elected official. So of those four, and uh, if they were all four to win, um, what voters in Charlotte would be saying essentially is that they would prefer a 9-11 truther, one who calls the cops terrorists, an anti-cop activist, and somebody with murky business dealings and conflicts of interest, they would prefer that over a Republican. That would be the message. And in a city that, uh, you know, had its mayor go to prison for bribery, I, you know, I guess that would be, look, we are also an area that they Democrats sent Jim Black back to uh, Raleigh as Speaker of the House. They sent him back rather... Rather than elect a Republican to their district, they preferred a corrupt Democrat under federal indictment. What is this? Uh, all right, let me get Judy on. She's been waiting for a very long time. Hello, Judy. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Sure. Indeed, I went to my poll this morning, and uh, I filled out my little paper and signed my name, and uh, I asked, uh, don't you need my ID? And said, oh, no, no, we don't, and right. passed me on to the next person in line mm-hmm. uh, who checked my name uh, in the uh, roll book, and apparently I passed an inspection there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was still questioning the fact that I thought the law was that uh, you had to have ID. Well, that gentleman passed me on down to the next person down the line who was pulling out his little red book. Mm-hmm. Now, that disturbed me just in the fact that it was a red book. Oh. And uh, pointed out to me that on November 17th last year, the Supreme Court knocked down the requirement for voter ID. I did not know that. No. Uh, well, the the voter ID law in North Carolina is being, the, the, the state Supreme Court has not done that. The 
there was a lower court that froze it. It's basically in limbo, and they're deciding whether to take it up now. Uh, the judge that stopped it is a lefty judge, uh, and uh, he is he is of the opinion, as advanced by the North Carolina NAACP, that this is a usurper legislature, that because the legislature uh, was comprised of members who won their seats based on gerrymandered districts, that everything that they did is null and void because they are a usurper legislature. Um, but for some reason, they're not suing over all of the other laws. They're just suing on this specific law, the voter ID law, which has been in, tied up in court for a decade. So it's, yeah, it's, we, it's this judge and what do we need to do? Well, if you're a leftist, you can go out in front of his house and, uh, you know, uh, threaten him, I think. Um, but no, you're, uh, if you're not a leftist, I don't think those rules apply. Uh, no, we, we have to wait and we have to wait and see. Now the, the state Supreme court may be trying to, uh, is, I'm not sure they got a couple cases because the state Supreme court, you got two of those races that are on the ballot in November and, uh, right now, the state Supreme Court is majority Democrat, but only barely so. And two of the seats coming open are for Democrats. They're currently held by Democrats. And uh, so there is there's fear that they're going to go on a kamikaze run. Basically, they're going to they're going to just ram through a bunch of rulings on highly controversial subjects because they know they're going to lose in November. So they're going to try to codify via the legislature uh, various rules. Which would then have to be unwound. What's that? I've heard that word codify. Yeah, before. yeah, yeah. So right now, we right now we are waiting to hear what the courts say on the uh, on the voter ID. But yeah, there's at this point there really is there's no legitimate reason, legally speaking, why we cannot have the law as it's written in North Carolina applied because the U.S. Supreme Court has already approved, has already said. Voter ID is not discriminatory in in cases involving state laws from other states, and their laws were way more restrictive than ours. So there there isn't any reason why that's why this this unique understanding of what this rule is about, this usurper legislature, that's why ours isn't being implemented yet, is because it's this different attack on the law. It's not an attack directly on the law itself. I don't suppose this judge is up for election. Come November. He's up in Greensboro or something. Oh. They, yeah, they judge shopped around to find the most radical guy they could find, and they found him up there. Maybe Durham. I forget where. That's another thing that provokes me. Yeah, no, I hear you. Same here. Judy, I appreciate the call. Talk 1110-993-WBT. Got a half hour left here. Um, got an email from Aaron. He says, I voted shortly before noon in my precinct. Number 149. Because I am registered unaffiliated, the officials there insisted that I was required to designate on the slip a voter fills out when he arrives at the polling place that I am unaffiliated in which party I was voting with today. Well, that's not true. Today's a general election. He says, as I recall, that item on the slip says it is for a partisan primary. Right, that's for primaries. That's not today. 
I pointed out that this is neither a primary nor is today's vote partisan. Well, the election is partisan in that, yes, you get to vote for Democrats and Republicans. The parties are listed on the ballot, but you are corrected. Today is not a primary day. You're not requesting a Democrat or Republican ballot. That's what you do in the primaries, which are technically party primaries. That's why you need to tell them what the ballot is. They're open primaries, so anybody can come in and vote. If you're Well, I shouldn't say anybody. Unaffiliated can go in and pick either ballot, but no, you. those are party primaries. You don't get to, if you're a Democrat, you don't get to vote in a Republican primary unless you were to, you know, re-register as unaffiliated. But that's not happening today, Aaron. You are correct. Uh, they had me speak to the precinct judge, and he seemed obviously annoyed that I was objecting to being asked for this information. All right, I was, uh, before I was so rudely interrupted, uh, I was reading through uh, this email from Aaron who says that he was asked what his party ballot he wanted, what party ballot he wanted for the election today in Charlotte, and that's, there's, there is no party ballot for today's election, you don't. That's a, we're not having a primary. This is the general. Uh, they had to speak to the precinct judge. He seemed obviously annoyed that I was objecting to being asked for this information. I think that one person said they need this info to know which ballot to present to me. When I got to the machine and it had been made ready for my vote, I said to the lady assisting me, "Quote: May I point out to you that this is neither a Republican nor a Democrat ballot. It is both." You are exactly correct, Aaron. She responded. That she recognized that too, but she did not make the rules and the party designation requirement was that they had been told to do that. Multiple officials there told me that they don't make the rules. I'd appreciate WBT finding out for the voters whether requiring party designation for today's vote really is proper. It is not. I I can tell you that right now. You know, you should not. There is only one ballot that's going out to Charlotte City Council races, you know, in your precinct. You get to vote for your district rep and then the at-large seats. That's it. And that does they you, there's no different ballot for a Democrat or Republican. You don't get to ask that. They should not be asking that. It's just one ballot. I don't understand why they would be doing that. It's not a primary. Um somebody's so I don't know what precinct. I'll look it up. Precinct 149, but um hey, if anybody is interested, go check out precinct 149 and uh ask what they're telling voters there or what they're if the information they are asking from voters. It doesn't seem doesn't seem proper. Uh, kind of like what's happening at the bus system. Um, after two WBTV investigations into Charlotte's bus operations division, the CEO of Cats, John Lewis, finally sat down for an interview with David Hodges. Just three days after WBTV revealed a private contractor was actually running our bus system, the city manager, Marcus Jones, then sent out a memo to council saying that they would have an evaluation of Cats's organizational structure and leadership team It's underway. This is what you want your city council uh, to be totally unaware that they apparently approved a contract to turn over operations management to a third party. Oh, who, by the way, then gets to be held uh, hostage through collective bargaining with a union. Bang up work there, city council. Really fantastic job. So now that they're doing the contract renegotiation, now we all get a taste of what it's like to have public sector unions where they do work stoppages. That's what's happening. I am more convinced of it, and the comment from Cat CEO, uh, John Lewis, leads me to believe I have been correct on my uh, assumption there. He cast doubt on the reasons for the number of operator absences, noting that the union is in negotiations for a new collective bargaining agreement. Quote, 
We didn't have these issues of extreme unplanned absences until this year. Coincidence that they're in contract negotiations? So is this a cumulative effect of the pandemic or is this a labor action? Might be a labor action. Kind of thinking it's a labor action. It's totally a labor action. Talk 1110 WBT. One last bit here on this WBTV story. Kudos, by the way, uh, to Dave Hodges at uh, WBTV for finally getting an interview with the most elusive man in Charlotte politics, the head of the bus system, John Lewis. Uh, he sat down for this interview, and obviously, you know, they got a lot of stuff to cover, whatever. But one basic question I have, and maybe there is an easy answer to this. I got an email about it too, but in this interview, uh, Lewis says that the company, which is RATP Dev, or as I call it, RATP Dev, they manage the day-to-day operations while Katz handles strategy. Mm-hmm. For RATP Dev, that includes hiring drivers, maintenance of buses, and a supervisory staff that oversees the day-to-day operations. He says this is not a new structure or situation. Okay, so the first thing I would ask is, since when? Since when? When has this? When did Ratibedev get the contract? When have they been? How long has this been going on? Number one. Number two. Are these city employees? Not Ratibedev, but the bus drivers. Are they city workers, or are they not? Who is the actual employer here? Do we know? Are they getting? Are, are they getting like state benefits, city benefits, or what? And if they are city workers, if they're technically public sector employees, how are they allowed to collective bargain? How, how is that possible? Speaking of the election happening today in Charlotte and their bus system, but also kind of related, crime. Yes, crime. Get this. Clearance rates for homicides are down. Yeah. Clearance rates for homicides are down. This is a national trend. People are increasingly getting away with murder in America's big cities. Why? Because the cops can't roll the low-level offenders to get them to snitch on the big targets. Why? Well, law enforcement says the criminal justice reform movement that has been sweeping the states... Combined with policies of prosecutors, leave the cops with fewer cooperating witnesses. So if I pull somebody in for a low-level offense and I could say, look, this is what you're going down for unless you can give me some bigger fish to fry. And then they're like, all right, all right, I'm fine. I can't do any more time, man. I can't do it. So then they, they rat out someone up the food chain, right? I tell you, like this guy who was at the bar the other night and he was bragging about all the people he killed. Oh, really? Who is this guy? All right, just can't go back to me, though. He can't go back to me, whatever. Okay, all right, yeah, we'll protect your anonymity. So then he tells me it's Skinny Pete did it. Skinny Pete went and murdered all these people. And you can find him at, at the Do Drop In tonight. Okay. Well, that's not happening anymore because you need people that are, that are going to roll over. But if the, if the low-level offenders are getting just released right out, then they're not rolling on anybody. They don't have to, right? We've insulated the real bad people. We've insulated them. 
Um, also, no cooperating witnesses. You know why? They're terrified that the person that they saw commit the crime, they saw Skinny Pete commit all these murders. They don't want to say because if they say their names are going to be released to the defense attorney. Oh, because that's reform. And they're going to see the guy back out on the street. Yeah. Criminal justice reform is crushing investigations. Uh, this guy, Paul Beekman, former police officer, former president of the FOP Western New York Lodge 103, said we don't have the snitch pool of low-level offenders willing to talk about bigger fish. It's huge, and it's such a simple concept. It's showing up in the numbers. D.C., Cincinnati, New York City, Boston, Tampa, Dallas. Their homicide clearance rates have plummeted. Paul DiGiacomo, president of the New York City Detectives Endowment Association, that is the union that represents active and retired detectives, said the police have lost their leverage over suspects. He said resources such as forensics, laboratories, and DNA machines are no match for solid witness statements in homicide probes. Such statements in exchange for deals enable police to work the ladder to nab bigger fish. He said in a 2020 state law, uh, it has also left police without the ability to promise anonymity to some witnesses because under the law, prosecutors have to give defense attorneys the names and contact data of anyone with information relevant to a case within 15 days of arraignment, even if the person won't testify at trial. Orders protecting witnesses' identities now need judges' approval. And people know that. The people know this now. The game has changed. The rules have shifted. Beforehand, only the names and addresses of witnesses who were going to testify had to be disclosed. So you could work with the cops, right? You could cooperate with them. You could give them information, and you don't ever have to worry that your identity is going to be compromised, particularly to Skinny Pete and all of the murder in that he does, you know? To this point... From the desk of D. Oh, I should say, hang on a second. I went and pulled the, yeah, I went and pulled the, I did go and pull the clearance rates for CMPD. Now, according to the FBI, the FBI says that their clearance rates in 2019 was 64%. And um, in 2020, it went down to 58%. So a drop of eight percentage points. Okay. Oh, and by the way, we are on pace now to match or beat last year's homicide rates, uh, rate in the, the number of homicide, I should say, in uh, Charlotte. So 2019 to 2020 went from 64 to 58. So it dropped. The clearance rate dropped. Now, according to WBTV, they did a story on this in June. CMPD reports different clearance rates. I'm not sure why. But their rates were higher than... The FBI rates. So FBI, they pegged the 2019 rate at 64%. So basically, they cleared two-thirds of all the homicide cases. They solved them. The F, or CMPD says it's more than 80%. They say it's 83%. Then it dropped to 74%. So a, what, a nine-point decline, which is roughly in line with what the FBI found to be the decline as well. But CMPD is also tracking 2021, and they say that the clearance rate went up a little bit to now 77%.
But either way, it's down from 2019. You can't tell me that people's confidence in the judicial system and the revolving door, right, that is our judiciary right now, that is our courthouse, you can't tell me that that doesn't have some sort of an impact on people's willingness to cooperate with law enforcement and get cases solved. Because of course it does. This isn't rocket science. It's not brand new. All right, that is a wrap for the episode. Appreciate you hanging out. We'll see you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone. Go vote. Thank <laughs> you.